You are listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I'm a general dentist, a practice owner, and a certified life coach. I teach women who own dental practices to lead with intention and literally fall in love with their businesses. Keep listening and you will see how learning to love your practice turns into loving your life too. Hello, welcome to another episode of my podcast. I'm Dr. Laura Mock. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode is so special. I don't want to... Um, you know, belabor the point because you just want to hurry up and get to it. But just listen to the very end. My very good friend, Dr. Sonia Stolte, tells us a very endearing story on this um, podcast. We talk about leadership when your practice goes through a crisis. And I will let the rest of it tell out as we go. But before we start, I just wanted to tell you two important things. If you have been listening to this podcast, you already know you are one of my people. And I exist to help you. I exist to help you have a better life. And I have two things that I want to offer you right now to assist in that goal. Okay. The first one is that I'm doing a free webinar and it's this week. So if you're listening to this as brand new, last week in February, February 26th, Friday, 1 p.m. Central, I am having a free webinar. And the webinar is called How to Love Your Practice While Changing Only One Simple thing. And this is going to be a transformational hour where I go a little bit deeper into these coaching principles that I'm always alluding to on the podcast. And I would love to see you there. If you want to come, but you can't make it to the time, register anyway, because I will be sending a replay to anyone who wants to hear it. Okay. So that's my first thing. The easiest way to register for that, if you're coming from, you know, you're in your car or whatever, just write this, don't write this down. Just remember this. When you're on your computer, go to loveyourpractice.net and click on register for webinar now, okay? So that's the easiest way to get registered. And then I will see you there. I can't wait to see you. Uh, we do only have a hundred people we can have on there. So if you're interested in this, make sure you get registered. Last time I checked, there were 60 people registered. Okay. Thing number two, I am starting a group coaching mastermind. This is something where we are going to do an even deeper dive into loving our practices. We're going to look at our relationships with our practice, um, our relationship with our patients, our team, with money, with time. We are going to really break down all these things that typically my clients worry about. Okay. So that I'm going to talk about it on the webinar, but also if you can't make it to the webinar, but you want to hear more about the, the mastermind, please reach out to me because the doors close on the mastermind at the very last moment of February. Once March starts, it's too late to register. So reach out to me if you want to hear more and I'll, um, I'll get you hooked up. All right, let's get to the episode. See you guys on the other side. Well, everybody, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of my podcast that I'm recording in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you're watching this on video, you can see the main thing in this video um, screen is two hotel beds. <laughs> so there's not really any way to um, hide that. Also, I'm interviewing my lovely friend here who I will introduce you two in just a moment. But um, since we're keeping it real here, I want everybody to know that I still look shorter than her and I'm sitting on two pillows. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay, so I'm Dr. Laura Mock. I'm the host of this podcast, just in case this is your first episode. Welcome. So glad you're here. And I am here today in person. I mean, COVID is making strides, right? <laughs> With the lovely Dr. Sonia Stoltze, who is also a general dentist. And Dr. Stoltze and I have known each other since 2003. Mm-hmm. We were gross anatomy partners freshman year. Yes. Yeah, so we shared a cadaver <laughs> with two other people, and we learned a lot. Thank you to that person. And um, now we're, um, we just, I have been wanting to interview Dr. Stoltze ever since I started this podcast, and, and she's been instrumental in my development as a coach and a podcaster, and also has a very inspiring story that I feel like all of you, my listeners, deserve to hear. So, without any more blah, blah, blahing, <laughs> Sonia, if you wouldn't mind, can you start us off by just telling us how you became a dentist? Like, what is your background? Yes. I was raised by a general dentist, my father, and an anesthesiologist, my mother, and growing up, I was always interested in both art and science and helping people. And my mother encouraged me to take the MCAT and apply for medical school. And I politely declined. <laughs> uh, growing up with a, a mother that takes call and is gone overnight weekly. And, you know, you see that and live that. And then there was my dad, who my favorite story to tell about his, you know, work-life balance is that when we were in elementary school and we started to get off the bus at 3.30-ish daily, he altered his hours at the practice so that four days a week he was home when we got off the bus. And I just thought that is the kind of flexibility and attention to my family that I would like to be able to have mm -hmm. and I went forward with my plans to be a dentist now I would just like to pause you right there because I just have so much respect now that I have owned my practice <laughs> and been a mom to change one's hours mm -hmm. requires a mindset I mean, I've been complaining about getting up in the dark for years, and I've never changed my hours because there's this belief that I can't. Yes. And I would not have appreciated what your dad did had I not already owned my own practice. Absolutely. And that's amazing. It's like it's a tribute to him and his devotion to you that he did that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you saw his ability to control and your mother's need to be on call mm -hmm. 
And you were like, no, I think I'm going to do this. Yeah. And honestly, you are a very artsy person, Sonia. Like, <laughs> you appreciate the aesthetic. Yes. And so I can see that would be a natural choice for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then you got into dental school. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I started in dental school. I met this lovely woman here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we made it through, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we had expectations, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> I always talk about how when I was in dental school, I thought once you graduate, then it's easy. Totally. Then you're just skiing yes. down the hill. <laughs> it's so easy after that. Yes, and I thought that, you know, it was, I thought dentistry, before I got into it, frankly, was very straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. And, you know, they talked about, the business of dentistry and working with a team here and there mm-hmm. during dental school. But wow, did we not have any idea? We didn't. I was like, oh, that's nice. There's a business involved. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> really did not get that very well. Very true. Yeah. So after graduation, I was fortunate to join my father in practice during my last two years of dental school, he added space. Uh, He extended the office to fill the whole second floor of our building Mm -hmm. and added three operatories and a private office space and extended the waiting room. And when I graduated, I was very fortunate that I was just waiting for my license Mm -hmm. and then I could start practicing. Mm -hmm. And I did. And we practiced together for eight years. He was there as my mentor. And mm-hmm. he, uh, as soon as I got there, he, he said, okay, now you can take over all of this HR stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me giggle now. And I again. thought, oh, perfect. Yay. I'm right? a leader. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> And I did payroll, and I balanced the books, and, you know, as a new associate, my schedule wasn't completely full, Mm -hmm. and so I learned about the business here and there, and would come to him with questions, and he was the kind of guy that just, I would ask him, like, what do you think about this? He'd be like, what do you, what do you think about that? (laughs) Or one of my favorite things that he would say would be, well... Tanya, you got to know. And I was so, that really sometimes irritated me. I'm like, but dad, just Just tell tell me, me. what do you think I should do here? But, you know, looking back on it, I'm grateful for all of those moments because it did help me to, I guess, prepare, even though I wasn't expecting to prepare for what happened. Right. Yes. Because here you were and you had slipped into this sort of like, easy transition yes. where there was very little pressure and I was on you. welcomed and you had all the support yes. people who had watched you grow up yes. and now you were in the practice and <laughs> and the patients were like sure you're very Dr. Stoltz's daughter yes. so uh, I had worked there as an assistant before mm-hmm. going to dental school yeah yeah I knew a lot about the practice before I even became a dentist there so. yes yeah yeah and so then what happened <laughs> well In 2015, uh, 
right after I got back actually from the Chicago Midwinter Dental Meeting, mm-hmm. um, my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And during the time when he, I might cry. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> during the time between when we started to find out what was going on and he had his diagnosis, it was a span of about a week. Mm-hmm. And we kind of worked around his need to be at appointments during that time. And then he never came back to practice. Wow. That was it. He was gone. Yeah. And he battled for eight months and we lost him that November. Mm-hmm. That's a really quick timeline. Yeah, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Do you want me to pause it? Okay. Either way. All right. We might so, have known I would cry. Yeah, and that's all right. I would, but we didn't prepare. With... I'm a super emotional person. So. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's what we're here for. We're here for the feels today. So what happened is you, you went from everything sort of being laid out in this supportive person in the supportive team yes to being by yourself yes yes absolutely it was shocking mm-hmm. and I I mean I had been working on learning about the business and how to support my team and all of those things behind the scenes thank goodness mm-hmm. I mean thank goodness yeah if you hadn't been diligent you might have been more clueless yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and I had, you know, in the time that I was practicing with him, I, I was married right before I started dental school, and my husband and I had our two children, mm-hmm. and I always told Dad, I said, I will, I will stop having children when you are no longer available. <laughs> And we were very happy with two, so it did work out. Good, sadly, in that way as well. But um, well, he played his part in helping you bring your baby. Absolutely, absolutely. And I remember talking to my team. I did have to text them the news of his diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I had to text because I couldn't speak the words right and um they were wonderful i mean people at their core i believe are amazing yes i think that they can put on armor Mm -hmm. and play roles where less amazing things can happen but people at their core are amazing and this was an opportunity for me to get really real Mm mm-hmm There was no escaping the fact that, you know, for six months, because our recare system is such that people come about every six months, Mm -hmm. for six months, every single day, I was navigating a patient finding out for the first time with that first moment of raw emotion that, (gasps) yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't know what other career path that would have been 
that would have been so for so acute. It was very so and over yes. and over. And he, I mean, he started practicing in Ames in 1977. Mm-hmm. So we graduated from dental school 30 years apart from each other, which I always thought was really fun. And he had patients, and I love this. I have patients now that knew my father longer than I did. Mm. Because they were his patients before, before I was born. born. <laughs> <laughs> How That's cool amazing. is that? Yeah. So while I was facing this horrible thing, I was surrounded by amazing people, loving and caring people that would do anything to help. Mm-hmm. So I had team members who were also facing this harsh and horrifying reality of his diagnosis, I had them take on the roles to try to buffer me somewhat. So by the time I got to the patient, they may already know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to say, tell people over and over and over again. And, you know, we made a system of, um, I bought little cards little cards about this big. Mm-hmm. So if they wanted to write him a note, they could write him a note and I took him these cards and he read them and he loved that. Mm. You know, when you're somebody's dentist for 35 years, mm-hmm. that's a lot of life that you get to experience with someone. And that's something so great about our profession. Yes. We hear their stories. We do. And it's very uh, much a trusting, intimate, not in a sexual way, but like you're literally right here. Next yeah. to my body when I'm taking care of you. 100%. And so there's this mutual trust that you go mm-hmm. through where you have to know each other and, and have this respect and, and intimacy. Yeah. So for being someone's dentist for that long, of yes. course, there were all these people who had all these feels. So many. Yeah. And, and you sh- had to keep on navigating that. Yes. And carry on and like keep the practice afloat yes. and not know what's going to happen. Are yes. you going to be practicing by yourself or is he going to come back and yeah all that there stuff. was a lot of uncertainty and he was the type of of person that everybody wanted to talk to because mm-hmm. he was such a good listener mm. and he engaged and really cared yes about their story you know there there are people that talk and there the people that there are people that listen to respond Yes. And there are people that listen to listen Mm -hmm. and really soak in what you're telling them and genuinely care. He was that person. And he Mm -hmm. was that person for not just his patients, but so many other people in his life. So facing being there without without him Mm -hmm. was terrifying. Not only was he my mentor and my business partner, but, you know, he's my daddy. Yeah. And I remember during the mess of it, at the very beginning, I had an eye appointment <laughs> and my eyes were dilated mm-hmm. and I was sitting in the, the optometrist chair and I was trying to text a friend of mine who is a dentist mm-hmm. and ask him about availability because I thought we have enough patients by this point for two doctors and yeah. I am one human and his column if you can imagine your Eagle Soft schedule, sure, <laughs> was full, and he was booked out at least a month, maybe mm-hmm. two months with restorative. 
And I had never practiced in a way where I was really, really moving mm-hmm. through the day. Yes. And evaluating where I needed to be and who'd been waiting the longest and where I need to be next and, you know, making all of those decisions that help everything flow. Mm -hmm. There hadn't been that pressure on your time. Correct. We were trying to just get it full. Yes. Right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden you had to change the way you practice. Yes. So that's what I want to talk about in the second half of this podcast is I want to hear how you changed to be more efficient and to turn the practice into yours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so tell me about some of the things that you changed. Well, I was fortunately able to, texting with my dilated eyes, get a hold <laughs> of my friend, Dr. Ryan Hughesong, who graduated mm-hmm. with us. Yep. And he was practicing in a town somewhat nearby. And he ended up having some availability. Mm-hmm. So during that time, during that 2015 year, he was up at the office about one day a week, mm-hmm. helping me with the transition, basically. Yeah. And that was amazing and necessary, and I'm fortunate that that all worked out. Yeah. Hey, are you free to just mm-hmm. do some dentistry at my office? Yeah. Hey, yeah, friend, I am. That probably buffered you a little bit. It as definitely you were did. Going through because yes. you had to come up with new systems. Yes. I mean, give me an example of a system that you changed when all of a sudden you had to be the one dentist. I remember in a huddle saying to my team, I'm going to need you guys mm-hmm. to do absolutely everything that you can. Mm-hmm. Because I am going to need to be in lots of places. Mm-hmm. And it was as simple as that, really. I mean, we talked about more specifics, such as I... First of all, I, you know, I think as dentists that delegation is a very kind of a tricky, a tricky thing. It is tricky because we're worried that if somebody else does it, maybe it won't be perfect. And we're already worried maybe we can't do it. Yes. So then if we ask somebody else to do it, I don't know. Yes. There's a lot of drama in there. Yes, absolutely. Yes. We want it to be done correctly with you know, we want the efficiency, we want mm-hmm. all of those things. And waiting from, we know we can do it with the efficiency to, you know, we've trained somebody to the point where they can do it with efficiency and skill level. That gap is incredibly uncomfortable. Yes. There's a lot of like work and um, evaluation yeah. and communication. There's extra and... work in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're busy. Yes. We're so busy. We're busy all the time. <laughs> so busy. Hmm. So... You know, I had expanded function dental assistants Mm -hmm. that had their credentials but weren't utilizing and doing all the things because I was still doing them. Right. That just gone. They were immediately put into, I need you to do this for me. So like impression scans, packing cord, Mm -hmm. all those things? All of those things. Making provisional Mm -hmm. crowns. Mm -hmm. Yes. You were doing all that yourself, huh? Yeah, I mean, I had the time. Right. And obviously, you know, the delegation issues. Was not ready. 
<laughs> even even with patients that you know I had worked with a hygienist and we had diagnosed treatment needs and they were coming back for those treatment needs they would get that patient numb mm-hmm. so the first time I saw a patient for restorative they were ready to start the restorative yeah that was huge as well it's it was a huge time saver for me well let me ask you a question so part of this was just built up pent up demand and I'm going to acknowledge that before I ask the question because obviously your numbers are going to change if all of a sudden you're the one dentist in an almost two dentist practice right right? but part of that is changing your capacity and your ability to Mm -hmm. lead Mm -hmm. too like you could have your numbers could have stayed similar to the way they were before and just everything stacked up or patients left because they had to wait too long or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. so just let me know how much did your numbers change in a percentage basis from before your dad got diagnosed to once you had gone through that process of getting everybody trained to do what they legally could? That's a great question. I'm grateful I was working with a practice management consultant mm-hmm. and I had access to all of that data because it had been being compiled while I was working side by side with my father. Yeah. So I had apples to compare to apples. Mm-hmm. And once we had transitioned and I had been... Dang it. Just a sec, guys. We got interrupted. Mm -hmm. But now we have coffee. (laughs) Okay. So I'm just going to bring us back into where we were. We were talking about how what had to change after your dad passed and you had to practice by yourself was your ultimately was your leadership indeed so it was communication it was delegation Mm -hmm. and I was asking you to tell me how your numbers changed yes once we got through through things and and we were looking back I was producing almost twice as much as a dentist wow yeah Plus, you were doing more hygiene exams, right? I was. Because you were doing them all. Yes. Mm -hmm. So my doctor production almost doubled. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a I'm rushing through things and I'm just getting more done. It was a matter of distilling out efficiencies Mm -hmm. and communicating those. Mm -hmm. And my team is amazing. And... For that, I'm also fortunate and grateful. Mm-hmm. They stepped up, took it, and went with it. I think actually a lot of them were glad because there had been skill sets that they had taken the time to learn in practice mm-hmm. that they were not previously able to use. You know, another thing that they did was they had a lot of the conversations, the pre-op and post-op instructions, mm-hmm. describing procedures, going through options and describing them and and working with questions with the patient they did a lot of that communicating for me as well again they have heard me have this very similar conversation with dozens and dozens of patients before they had heard it they knew the flavor of how i like to say things and they got to put their own spin on it because we all have our own personalities and ways of saying things and put their you know their personal touch on it Well, I would just like to point out, because most of us don't encounter a time when we have to change how we delegate, 
But as you, your story is an illustration of what can happen in a practice mm-hmm. if we can let go yes. of doing everything ourselves. Yes. And we can say clearly what we want from our team. Mm-hmm. And it changes the numbers. And it's better for the team, too. Absolutely. They know what you want. They get to do more. You get to make more. They get to make more. It's a win-win. It is, absolutely. I do have in my office a little sign up that says, clear is kind. What do you mean? When you are clear about what you wish, Mm -hmm. that is a kind way to let somebody know. Rather than skirting around the issue, Ah. not letting them know, Yes. And then resenting them for not doing what you wanted. Mm-hmm. All of those things happen, and I think it's very human. And I am a work in progress. As am I. <laughs> <laughs> so I am still working on this. I'm still looking, working on using my words and being clear so that people really know which path to go. I know in Brene Brown's Dare to Lead book, mm-hmm. she says that one thing she says is, And this is what success looks like. I'd like you to do this. And for me, success looks like X, Y, Z. So they not only know what you want them to do, but they know the marker, the marker for success. Yes. And how how clarity is beautiful. It is. Yes. Yeah. This is so such a good illustration of what can change. And for you, you had to, Mm -hmm. you had to be vulnerable. You had to distill it all down to actually I need you to do this. And that took away all the excuses and the drama that your brain might have given you as reasons not to say what you wanted. 100%. Because you didn't have that option anymore. No. And we can all learn from that because what happened is you kind of got forced into it, but we can copy that and work on our clarity and our ability to delegate and our ability to give our team concise instructions that allow us to produce more. That's why I wanted you on this. So ladies, this is my message to you. Take the example of this rock star over here (laughs) and find out what you can delegate to your team. What could you be doing to produce more without working harder and let your team do more of what needs to be done? Mm -hmm. Do you have any final words that you want to say about your practice or your team or your dad or anything? I would say... In a way, the delegation and being clear, you are not only doing good things for your business, but your team member, as as a person that works in your office, their pride, Mm -hmm. their engagement, Mm -hmm. and their ability to feel like they are really a part of things also elevates, which is lovely. So we can not only be... I mean, how many hats do we wear, really, as mm-hmm. dentists? I haven't even counted them all. I'm and not sure. spouses mm-hmm. and all the things, but on top of that, we are helping to develop not only skill sets but also pride in other people in their own work. Yeah. How lovely is that? Yes, because what you're talking about is helping the people around you develop into their best yes. selves which is job satisfaction, yes. which is good for the practice mm-hmm. and good for you and good for your employees and their, and their families. Absolutely. Boom. We just solved everything. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. I hope to see you on the other side. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I would love to meet you. To join our movement, find the Facebook group called Love Your Practice and request to join. If you can't find it, just send me a message and I'll add you. You'll find me there helping all of my ladies to fall in love with their businesses and have a better life.